Welcome to Sex Ed with DB. I'm your host, DB. Let's get into it. Did you know that four out of five U.S. adults have never heard of abortion pills? If you haven't either, no shade. Let me teach you. Abortion pills are a modern option for ending an early pregnancy safely and effectively, up to 12 weeks, either with provider support or on your own. Also called medication abortion, it's made up of two meds, mifepristone and mesoprostol, or mesoprostol only if mifepristone is unavailable. If you're wondering, how do abortion pills work? Or... How can I access them in my state? Or how can I tell my friends and community about this? Plan C has got you covered. Visit plancpills.org to learn more and join us in spreading the word. In a world that constantly encourages you to change, it's bold to just be yourself. Sexual expression and satisfaction are different for everybody. So rather than conforming to others, focus on falling in love with who you are. Lion's Den sources the very best products to help you find what you like and help you feel confident expressing your sexual desires. You can get 15% off in-store and online using code SEXEDWITHDB at lionsden.com to begin exploring everything about yourself. Follow them on social at Lion's Den Adult on Instagram and TikTok. What if I told you that I did a masturbation experiment with the magic wand and the results were incredible? Don't believe me? Let me share a few things with the class. When using the magic wand every day, I experienced less stress, anxiety, and physical tension. I reported more frequent positive moods when using the magic wand every day, including higher levels of confidence. My level of horniness increased over time when using the magic wand every day. Want to see how else the magic wand impacted me positively? Go to sexedwithdb.com slash magic wand experiment to learn more. Let's talk about lube and condoms. Something important to know is that oil-based lube is not to be used with condoms because the oil can cause the condom to break or tear, which would defeat the purpose of using it. Thank goodness for Uber Lube. Uber Lube is latex compatible, so it's safe and effective to use with condoms. But wait, there's more. Dispensing two drops of Uber Lube inside a condom and a measured pump outside will increase pleasure. What are you waiting for? Use code SEXEDWITHDB for 15% off at uberlube.com. Hello, Sex Ed with DB family. I hope everyone's doing great. I know I am. Today is an amazingly warm, wonderful episode with Mo Ari Brown. In this episode, we talk about bisexual daters and their experiences on the Hinge app. We also talk about how to support a bestie if they recently came out as bi and ways to combat and crush biphobia and bi stigma. Meeting Moari was really, really fantastic. They just made me feel very at home and welcomed on my own show, question mark. I don't know. They were just so great. Like, I just loved their energy and they were so sweet and made me learn a lot. So I'm excited for you to hear them on this episode. And a couple of reminders, we have brand new merch. Uh, if you go to sexedwithdb.com slash merch, you can check it out. And we have an amazing collab with Julie Malo. So wonderful. Love her so much. We created four period product storage bags together with sparkly blood confetti for a pad and a tampon. 
and a period underwear and a period cup. So check those out at sexedwithdb.com slash merch. And just a reminder, if you rate us five stars and leave us a review on this episode, you could win a sticker. So email us a screenshot at sexedwithdb at gmail.com. Now, here I am with the lovely Mo Ari Brown. Hello to Mo Ari Brown. Welcome to Sex Ed with DB. How's it going today? Good. I love your fit, by the way. We didn't talk about this before we started recording, but you look very good, very fresh. (laughs) Yeah, you look great. Well, I'm so stoked to have you on today. Uh, We're going to talk all about lots of great stuff, but the theme today really is bisexual dating, which I'm very excited by personally. Uh, I kind of talked about my own bisexual journey on the podcast this starting this season and it's season nine. So we're, we're really, uh, we're up and at them here. And so I'm excited for you to speak to some of the questions that I, and I'm sure many of my listeners have, but why don't we get started by you introducing yourself and just telling us about you and your work. Yeah, thank you so much again for having me. I'm Mo Ari Brown. You all can just call me Mo Ari. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I use they, them, or he, him pronouns. I was assigned female at birth. I identify as non-binary transgender. That's a mouthful, but I say it every time. I'm just so it. people know. <laughs> the yeah. elevator pitch. Absolutely. So people know like who I am, like out the gate. I have a number of other identities, uh, but I'll start with being a licensed marriage and family therapist. I primarily have worked with LGBTQIA plus individuals, families and couples over the past decade, helping them to establish connection, reinvigorate their connections. And I've also worked a lot with transgender people, helping them to get celebratory and affirming medical care. Uh, And so now I have the honor of serving as Hinge's love and connection expert. And uh, I'd love to share more about that throughout our interview. And I'm just really excited to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Beautiful. Love your love your background, love your story. And I think that, you know, we've had a a number of um, therapists on the podcast throughout the years, but very few of our therapists have worked with LGBTQIA plus folks, um, individuals, couples, and families for as long as you've been working for them, you know, over a decade, as you said. And so I'm wondering if you can share based on your experience, what is like the most fun or rewarding thing about this work? And uh, off the back of that, like what's also been a challenge and what's been tough and, and something that you personally have found like, oh, wow, this is like a a tough thing to work through myself. But um, thank you for asking this question. You see me like putting my hand over my heart. It's like really, uh, it does. And uh, also thank you for reflecting back that I've been doing this work for a a while because it's hard to believe sometimes. Mm. Uh, I just kind of went straight through school. And in that process of going through school, I was figuring out my identity, which is how I ended up working with our community primarily because I was figuring out who I was. And I was like, I want to be around all the queer people so I could figure it out too. Mm. Uh, So that's how I started this work. And I'd say the rewarding aspect of this work has certainly been getting to know myself better through all of these many mirrors and reflections of of myself and in my clients. And so like, it's like this bi-directional relationship that's extremely rewarding. Uh, I leave therapy changed as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's not like just one directional. It's very much like bi-directional. 
I I think if I were to answer that more specifically, I love the moments where I notice a narrative shifting in the life of my clients. So I do a lot of narrative therapy, which focuses in on the stories that we are told about who we are and the possibilities of who we can become. And for a lot of queer folk, we've been told a lot of stories about who we can't be, a lot of limitations about like who we can't love, what we're not supposed to be doing. And we know that our thoughts inform our beliefs about our, our lives, then they inform our choices. So the choices and the options we think we have. And then that informs what we do with that, which in order to create our world. So if you're queer and you've been told you're not supposed to be loving that person over there, then you often don't feel like you have the choice to be your authentic self. And that for many people that prevents them from doing that. So we live lives uh, that are not always um, in alignment with how we really want to live. And so I love the moments in therapy where I see someone remastering, reauthoring their own narrative, saying for themselves who they are, and uh, and then ultimately living in that life. So creating a relationship that's healthy, even though they've been told that they couldn't have that their entire lives. That's like reauthoring or living fully as a transgender person and uh, not having gender dysphoria. Although people are telling you that's what you're going to have if right. you you live that life, you know, <clears throat> actually experiencing gender euphoria. Those are the moments that are really rewarding. And I think the challenge then are the moments where it's like a heartbreaking story that I'm hearing around like bullying, violence, harassment. And we know how common those exper experiences are for queer people. And so I'm not, those experiences don't miss me. I have my own traumas and lived experiences. So when I'm sitting there with someone who's also pouring their heart out to me, it's heartbreaking mm -hmm. and I want to fix it and I can't. So I'm learning to, I've learned over the years and I'm still always perpetually learning how to just be with that and not feel like I have to do something. Yeah, I think about this a lot with experts. Like even though, of course, experts have the schooling and they have the experience and they have like many, many things that contribute to them being able to help other people, they're still doing life for the first time also. Yeah. And so like I think about that too, like with my parents, right? And I think this is definitely something that I have learned myself going through therapy, but just like my parents were first time parents and like going through all the things they were going through while yeah. they were also in their thirties and experiencing yeah. other things. And so it makes yeah. me feel a lot of empathy um, for yeah. them. And I think that's a good skill and mindset to think through of like, oh, wow, like you're a person, you're just like somebody who's experiencing this for the first time and there's room for mistakes and there's always room for learning and growth, which I find very powerful. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you saying out loud, like parents are doing this for the first time. I am also a parent doing this for the first oh time God, for the first time. Yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah. That's very, yeah, very exciting. Um, yeah. I'm wondering, too, if you could talk through maybe some themes that come up for queer couples and families like are queer couples yeah. also having heart combos about money and chores and sex and all of the things that straight couples and just all couples in my, you know, spoiler alert, probably, but like that, that are coming up for other couples. Yeah. So there is a bit of like, it's like, yes, this is like a yes. And right. 
uh, queer couples are experiencing all of the things that you just named in in similar ways, I would say. So yes, we're having conversations around chores and money and where we're going for the holidays. Uh, and then at the same time, we know that, you know, for queer people, especially those who identify as queer, and then at the intersection of other often marginalized identities, the conversations become so much more nuanced. It's like we're not having a conversation about just the holidays and where we're going like uh, other couples. We're having conversations about whether or not our families accept us when we go to that place for the holidays. Or conversations about money end up sometimes being about um, whether or not we can be out at our jobs and if we are out, if that's going to impact our financial future, um, or we're having conversations around chores, not down gender lines, we're having other ways to split up chores based on like strengths or like who likes to wash dishes or who wants to fold the clothes, not just like, well, you're this, so you do that. Uh, and so I'd say the conversations become nuanced in a different kind of way, but we are having these conversations because at the end of the day, I really believe that we fundamentally at at the core of the human experience is this desire to create belonging and connection. And so I think every human has that desire. How, how we go about it is just different. Yeah, absolutely. And also, folks, you might hear that I'm on a better mic now because we had a little technical error and the mic didn't connect earlier, but we are here now and we are back in it. And so we're going to move on, Mo. We're going to talk now about your really awesome title, which you mentioned in your in your intro, but you are Hinge's love and connection expert. So neat. That's a very neat title. Um, I'm wondering, like, what does this entail and how has it been for you in this role? What has it looked like? Yay. Thank you for the compliment on my title. Yeah. I am really honored to be Hinge's love and connection expert. So I pair my years of experience as a licensed marriage and family therapist with Hinge's ongoing mission to be the most inclusive dating app for all daters. Mm. That means that I'm giving advice to LGBTQI plus daters on and off of the app. And I'm working with Hinge to ensure that the that Hinge's app remains a celebratory and inclusive space for daters to show up as their authentic selves on their profiles. And I'm hoping that daters learn a bit of wisdom from me along the way about uh, how to cultivate connection and lasting partnership. Awesome. And when you say like when you're talking about Hinge, you know, being, you know, the most or the aiming to be the most inclusive dating app out there, what does that what does that include to you? What does that entail? Yeah. Yeah. For me, that means like cultivating a space where daters are able to be authentic, uh, where they have, um, where queerness is very visible and celebrated, where we know that this is a space where we know that the Hinge app specifically is a space that we can be ourselves when we're dating, that we don't have to hide who we are. I think uh, when I say like inclusive, I imagine this being a table where everyone not only has a seat, but they have like enough on their plate to eat and they have like all of like the accoutrements. So I see it as a place of celebration, not just like, hey, you're welcome here, but you are like valued and celebrated and you get to be yourself. So this is definitely our mission around inclusivity is really about belonging and authenticity as well. That's beautiful. I really like that. I mean, I think like, so personally, I've been in a 
in a partnership for seven years. And so wow. I, yeah, we, we just got engaged. We're getting married next year. Congrats. Thank you very much. I feel very excited. <laughs> We're deep into wedding planning. And yeah, I just like have a deep appreciation for my friends who are on the apps and who are dating and who are trying to find someone who they can be really excited about. So I think it's it's really warming to hear that Hinge is, you know, creating space for queer people in these kinds of roles to prioritize making sure other queer people and people in marginalized identities feel like they're being seen for who exactly yeah. who they are and they can find other mm -hmm. people who match literally, no pun intended, with mm -hmm. their interests and needs and just who who they want to be and what kind of relationship that they want. So that's that's really neat. Um and I wonder if you can share a little bit about Hinge's NFAQ resource and who contributes to it. Yeah. So NFAQ stands for Not So Frequently Asked Questions. And I've actually gotten to participate and I'm like more than happy to share about NFAQ. So NFAQ is a platform that is on the app that is a collection of a variety of different, uh, I would say, queer voices. So experts, influencers, uh, people like myself and others have shared their lived experiences, their advice, the lessons that they've learned about LGBTQI plus dating and identity. So the questions like span the gamut, but they're pressing questions that everybody kind of wants to know. Maybe they haven't uh, had a space to ask. We know how often dating research kind of prioritizes non-queer folk, but we don't know, we don't have a lot of resources uh, to turn to when we need questions for our community answered. So NF Hinge's NFAQ is that resource. And so I've, this round of NFAQ, I've actually gotten to contribute and we are focusing in on uh, bisexuality. And I'm really excited about that because we know bisexual daters make up the majority of the queer community, but many of them don't feel, I should say many of us, <laughs> because I identify as bisexual oh, too. You do, okay. Uh, <laughs> but many of us don't feel like we get to be our authentic selves uh, because of so many misconceptions. So focusing in on bisexual daters uh, this time around, NFAQ is um, just a really brilliant resource and I'm really grateful to be a part of it. Yeah, that's so awesome. Yeah, I, I read a couple before this interview and uh -huh. I'm excited to to ask you some of your questions that you answered, but also want to say like, I'm someone who really loves pop culture and gets very excited when I get to see like people who I admire kind of giving their yeah. opinion and giving their thoughts and feelings on something. And when I saw King Princess on there, I was like, oh, uh -huh. what does King Princess have to say? <laughs> like, I'm, you know, I'm like a huge fan of her music, of, of their yeah. music. I'm not sure how they identify, but I just feel like they are incredibly fun and it's been really neat to be able to like follow their journey as a queer person and be so unapologetic about it and yeah. to see what they have to say about dating is like intriguing to me and I think that's a cool way to to get somebody to like put their barriers down a little bit and just be a little bit more open to talking about something that might feel awkward or weird or strange or like they they're the odd person out or something like that and so I just think it's a it's a cool thing. So if you're if you're interested, listener, definitely just Google Hinge NFAQ and you can find it. But 
let's get into some of the questions because I think that they're really fantastic and I want to hear your answers. So one of these questions says, I'm interested in exploring non-monogamy. How can I figure out if it would feel good for me? And I wonder, this is my add-on also, because I think this is often an experience that people have, which is, can you talk about this answer as well as how can folks address exploring non-monogamy in a relationship if the exploration desire is only one-sided? Yeah, thank you. This is a big question. So I will get to both parts. (laughs) Yes. And if I'm not capturing something, feel free to tell me. but starting with like exploring non-monogamy, I encourage anyone to start to do research around non-monogamy. There are a lot of different ways to practice non-monogamy. So it's really important to just learn a lot about uh, the different types of non-monogamy, how that could look at your different relationship dynamics. Uh, start there. And then when sh- once you're more familiar with different relationship types, I encourage you to sit with yourself and see if you have any visceral reactions in any Mm. direction. I think when I'm sitting with clients, I often encourage them to do what lights them up, to follow what sense little nudges toward euphoria that we get. A lot of times we center what we don't want. And so I encourage people when they're exploring something like non-monogamy to to really sit with themselves, ignore all of the messages you might have gotten around monogamy and just really center what it is that you want in your private thoughts. Even if you only have to acknowledge it to yourself, what's what comes up for you? Do you are you interested in exploring? Does that feel aligned for you? Ask yourself those questions to begin with. And then I think that that'll be a good indicator for whether or not this is something that you want to at least begin learning even more about, beginning to immerse yourself in the culture around. Uh, so I'd say that that's a great start. And then for people who are wanting to explore non-monogamy, they're currently in a relationship and the partner is probably not on board. Uh, I'd say, I'd say I'd give you the same advice I just gave, which is to get very clear about what it is that you want. Because when you're engaging another person, you want to have some type of direction to, to point them in. And so if you're clear, okay, I want to explore non-monogamy. This is what I think would work for me. And you bring that to the table with uh, your partner, then you can begin to have that conversation with them. If they're, they're not on board, maybe they need more education. So I say come equipped with educational tools, give them more insight on what that looks like. Then I think therapy is also a good space for for people to begin exploring a non-monogamy with their partner if there is like a, for in general, and then if there is any kind of hesitance toward exploring non-monogamy. And if after that, they're like, "Uh, I'm not feeling this, then I think you have decisions to make about the relationship because non-monogamy is a relationship type, like monogamy is a relationship type. And there are certainly relationships where, Uh, One person is non-monogamous, the other partner is monogamous and only dates that person. Uh, So you can have mixed relationship types, but it's important to talk about it, be clear about boundaries and have regular check-ins. Yeah, absolutely. And I do think it's good to frame it in the sense where obviously, you know, we're our whole lives for decades and years and years, the norm, quote unquote, has been monogamy, right? Very tied to religion. Like we can kind of, you know, really do a whole episode on that. But 
I do think it's good yeah. to frame that like these are very new ideas when it comes to this mm. kind of conversation bleeding into like the the norm of society, right? Yeah. Like we're yeah. we're kind of just at the beginning, even though obviously kink BDSM various kinds of relationships have been around for a very long time. I would say that's why they have those names because they weren't mainstream, right? And yeah. so now that they're becoming more, uh, you know, people are kind of waking up to this idea of like, hmm, do I think that being with one person forever is the best thing for me? Like, and some people, yeah, sure. That yeah. norm like is there for a reason and it makes sense. And yeah, that's great. And for others, you know, like life is very long. You can kind of decide yeah. what phase and what kind of relationship you want with your partner yeah. or partners throughout your life. And so I think like really thinking about it, not as like this staircase model, but more of like a roller coaster where you have different twists yeah. and turns and different experiences. I think that is really helpful, hopefully, for people yeah. to to think through. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, non-monogamy, any relationship type can be really expansive depending on how you like operate in it. So I think you're getting at this concept really well. I love the roller coaster theme, like life takes you on twists and turns, relationships grow and evolve. And so when you think about non-monogamy, uh, there are so many different ways that that could function. And so it's really important to start with that education because uh, so many people think that non-monogamy is just about sleeping with other people, but there are different uh, there are so many variations. Non-monogamy can look like having different people that you live with, that you're also in relationship with, that could be platonic or sexual. So we really have to talk about non-monogamy in this expansive way. So I appreciate you saying that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really into kind of like getting into the the weeds and the nuances there. Uh, yeah. And we have another question, which I feel like we don't really talk about friends as much as we should on this podcast. I personally think that like some of my friends are my soulmates and I just like yeah. find them to be like the loves of my life in many ways. And so one of these questions that came up in the NFAQ is my bestie is bisexual and is new to dating men. What is the best way to show up for him? Yeah, I had so much fun answering this question for Hinge's NFAQ this round. Uh I, I love this question because it makes me always think about what it was like coming out to my friends. I came out to my friends first before I tested on them, uh, the coming out process right. uh, before I told my parents and stuff. So uh, when I came out to my friends, I wanted them to accept me, to love me, to just keep I didn't want them to switch it up on me I wanted them to keep being who they had always been and so that's where I start my advice to anyone who is uh, on the receiving end of someone coming out to know that that person is still seeking belonging acceptance and love uh, so to offer that and be a vehicle for that is really powerful you have a really beautiful and meaningful role to play in their life. And one, it's an honor that they're coming out to you. Mm -hmm. So I'll say that it means you're kind of special. Uh, they feel safe with you. And so you should take that as an honor and really do the the role that you're playing justice. So I'll, I'll say that. And then I, 
I encourage you to continue to follow up with them about what's going on for them in their dating life. Uh, Sometimes the conversation stops at the person coming out. Mm. Nobody wants that. If they if they shared with you about their dating life, they want you to keep asking them, "Okay, how's it going? Give me the juicy details, you know, (laughs) exactly. Spill the tea like we always do. And so when I say don't switch it up, I mean, continue being the friend that you've always been. Nothing really has to change. Only who they're dating is changing or shifting or looking a little different. So continue to follow up and ask them questions about how that's going for them. And then be super encouraging. I think to the point of celebration when they share stuff, I I don't want to undervalue celebration and how important that is. Bisexual people face so many misconceptions about uh, who we are, even though we make up the majority of the queer community. So I didn't even realize oh, that, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. Like more than half of queer hinge daters have told us that um, they feel queer imposter syndrome, and I think it's re- it's related to to often feeling marginalized even within the community, but also outside of the community. Uh, we could we can go on about these misconceptions, but I think that this is, um, when we think about coming out to our friends, the, our friends can play a really meaningful role in affirming us and letting us know that we are seen and visible. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, we're going to talk about some of those misconceptions and myths, but I guess I meant, like, I didn't really realize that bisexuals made up a majority of the queer community. That's something I didn't, yeah. I didn't know. How, like, yeah. And how, where does that come from? Is that like a more recent stat or like, can you talk a little bit more about that? Yes, absolutely. So I'm going to say, oh, you know, let me not actually quote. Okay. I want to say, I want to say that a Gallup 2022 poll uh, actually showed that bisexual people make up the majority of the queer community, almost at a, almost a half wow. of the queer community. And um, that that is surprising, but then not surprising when we think about uh how expansive and and fluid queerness is. Mm-hmm. Bisexuality kind of makes sense, but we don't often talk about uh, bisexuality as being this visible within the community. I'm about to get personal here, so listen up. I'm going to tell you a fun fact about me that you definitely didn't know. The lube that I use most consistently is Uber Lube. I really mean it. If you were here with me right now, I'd tell you to go over to my nightstand drawer and tell me what you see. That's right, you would see a bottle of UberLube. If you've never heard of UberLube, let me tell you about it. UberLube is a silky smooth silicone-based lube recommended by leading doctors, and its body-friendly ingredient list makes it widely used by people with sensitivities to lubricants. Another amazing thing about UberLube is that it doesn't leave a sticky residue like water-based lubes do. It lasts for a long time and doesn't stain clothing or bedding. I have three bottles of UberLube on my bedside table right now, ready when I need it. If you're someone who wants to feel more pleasure in the bedroom, use code SEXEDWITHDB for 15% off at uberlube.com. Trust me, it's amazing. Ever since getting engaged to my wonderful fiance, I've been thinking about ways to keep things fun and novel between us, but I, of course, want it to feel organic. I want to be able to feel sexy and comfortable in my body while trying something new. 
Thanks to Lion's Den, a new adventure I've been exploring is the world of lingerie. I never really was a big lingerie girl myself, but once I started trying on lingerie that accentuated my curves, felt super soft to the touch, and made me look in the mirror and felt wildly confident in my skin, that changed pretty quickly. Plus, when I searched for what I might like on Lion's Den's website, I saw models that actually looked like me. They were curvy and thick and voluptuous, and it made all the difference to see models that have my body type. Want to join me in my new lingerie chapter? Right now, you can use code SEXEDWITHDB for 15% off your purchase in-store and online at lionsden.com. Follow them on social media at Lion's Den Adult on IG and TikTok for exclusive offers, deals, and giveaways. Attention, abortion pills are still available in all 50 states. This includes both mainstream and alternate routes to access pills, even in states that have unjust abortion bans. Here's what folks need to know. Abortion pills can be purchased online and work best for pregnancies less than 12 weeks. There are free and confidential resources to help people get medical questions answered, assess any legal risk, find funding, and safely manage their miscarriages and abortions on their own terms. This helps alleviate burden on local funds and clinics, which are continuing to do all they can in support of their communities. Visit plancpills.org to learn more and join the movement. Flicking the bean, wanking, self-loving, jilling off, menage a moi. All of these are different and very creative ways to say masturbation. For 21 days, I conducted a masturbation experiment with one of my favorite vibes ever, the magic wand. In a nutshell, I wanted to answer one question. What is the impact of daily magic wand use on my health and wellness, as well as my sexual experience when compared to regular sexual activity and no sexual activity? The results surprised me more than I thought they would. Want to see the hypotheses and the results for yourself? Go to sexedwithdb.com slash magic wand experiment to learn more. I'm Amy, sex and relationship coach, certified sex educator, and 2022's Sexpert of the Year in the sex toy industry. And I'm April, VP of Hot Octopus, sex toy mogul, and 2016's Women of the Year in the sex toy industry. Allow us to introduce you to Shameless Sex, a real talk, informative podcast all about sex and relationships, but with a playful twist. Want to learn how to eat pussy like a champ? Suck diak like a boss. Eel. How to better communicate, connect with, and touch lovers and partners. Or maybe you just want to be the master baiter of your own sexual pleasure. Shameless Sex releases episodes weekly and features accredited doctors, authors, therapists, and educators. Available on all podcast apps. Just look up Shameless Sex to discover your new best friends when it comes to all things sex and relationships. To learn more, visit shamelesssex.com. For Hinge, I'd love to talk about this particular stat, right? More than half, like 52% of bisexual Hinge daters say that they have not felt fully accepted into the LGBTQIA plus community. And I'm wondering, what do you think is behind this? Like we kind of briefly talked about, okay, like maybe there is like myths or misconceptions around this, but how do we combat this biphobia and bi stigma? Yeah, I definitely think that these misconceptions are behind people not really feeling, bisexual people particularly, not feeling really fully accepted within the queer community. I think those stereotypes range from uh, biphobia that people are encountering with people that they're dating 
So like a date finds out that you're bisexual and then you don't hear from him anymore or uh, rejection from other people in the form of being called confused Mm. or these assumptions that people make about bisexual people experimenting versus understanding the difference between exploring and experimenting. Mm -hmm. All of these stigmas end up impacting uh, our experience and how how we feel seen or accepted within the community. I think what we can do to combat that is to continue to raise awareness uh, against these misconceptions. That's important. I think that a lot of the work is around allyship. Uh, it, it helps for people to know like that bisexual people make up the majority of the community, uh, that we are a larger percentage than we may understand or feel due to the lack of visibility. But the the work around allyship, I think, then is for people who are in the seat of receiving a bisexual person or witnessing a bisexual person, uh, not perpetuating these stereotypes, not making assumptions, really getting to know a person on an individual level and allowing them to tell you who they are. I feel like that's really important too. Yeah, like really just taking each person exactly as they are. Like I'm I guess I'm yeah. I'm kind of playing with these two ideas, right? Like I'm someone who have my master's of public health. I really like statistics. Yeah. And I don't I don't like statistics. I'm bad at it, but I like hearing statistics <laughs> to really like ground where I'm at and like understand the argument or kind of like what that means and kind of how to take action. Yeah. But I also really like the idea of just like, hey, who are you? <laughs> like if you're telling yeah. me who you are and I yeah can just respect you and like trust you and believe you that that's what you're saying that you are and not come with any judgment or bias. Like how much better would people's dating lives be if they just kind of, you know, and of course, like it's, it's a lot simpler said than done. Maybe people have experiences of abandonment or past experiences with people they've gotten hurt by if X, Y, and Z, right? So like understanding that people come with context and they come with baggage And at the same time, I think like as a bisexual person, I know I – when I recently told, you know, friends and family, a lot of people were celebratory and then there were some experiences where people were very confused and didn't really say the right thing and it's just kind of this like, oh, do I even want to tell people? Like that's kind of the feeling because I think, you know, it feels so good to – at least for me to be like, this is my authentic self. I'm not afraid about any other part of my identity. Why am I so like embarrassed or like weird about this part of it? And I think like the more and more, like you said, allyship that we can kind of like celebrate people, your bestie is like telling you about their dating life, like follow up, like in a month, ask, right? There are these like little things that can be done that can make people feel really, really good about Mm -hmm. themselves and more confident in their dating life. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think you hit the nail on the head. That celebration is just so important. It's so affirming. And uh, it helps people to feel that belonging uh, when you're with your friend and they are like, please sit down and tell me what's been going on. You feel like you have community. Mm -hmm. I think that's at the core of this. That's at the core of uh, connection is this sense of belonging. Right. Absolutely. I'm wondering if you if you could just share like one thing that you want all bi folks out there to know when it comes to self-love and dating, what would that be? I encourage any bisexual person to define bisexuality on your terms. 
like what bisexuality means to you. You are your own unique, authentic brand of yourself. Just like me. I'm my own version of Mo Ari. I'm not trying to be anybody but that. And I think often when we're hit with these narratives, uh, calling to the beginning of the episode when I talked about narratives and stories. So when we're hit with these stories about who we're supposed to be, uh, sometimes those stories can be so pervasive that we don't get the opportunity to figure out who we are or explore who we are. So I just encourage you to define what bisexuality means to you and not let other people's definitions of that define your experience. Uh, I encourage you to embrace your authenticity. So whatever you end up defining yourself as, I encourage you to embrace that fully and live from that place. Follow the things that light you up, that make you happy, that feel euphoric for you, the relationships where you feel seen and celebrated, go there. Uh, and as much as possible, ignore the negativity or the stories that are counter to the one that you're creating for yourself. Absolutely. Life is long and finding your people and finding the yeah. the places and things and people that make you happy and feel good and feel confident. Like as the older I get, I feel like the more obvious this becomes to me to like actually do the work and to really like it starts from within, right? Like when we look at ourselves in the mirror and we think about who we are and we find things that we really like about our, about ourselves, whether it be on our physical yeah. body or in our heart or soul or mind, like whatever that is, like double down on those things. And like the more Absolutely. you feel like good in your own self, the more ready you are to ignore or to combat those negative things and just be exactly who you are, how you want to be. And, yeah. you know, obviously if you live in a place where that's a challenge, then really lean on your online community and try to figure out like where, where can you find those people? And yeah, I just think this is a really important episode. So I'm really glad that you came on and I'm wondering if you can share a little bit about what's next for you. What are you working on? Yeah. And, uh, you know, maybe anything about bisexual research or bisexual daters at Hinge that you would like to see in the future. Yeah. Um, I'm curious about those things too. Yeah. So there are several different resources I want uh, listeners to check out. Uh, so first, check out Not So Frequently Asked Questions by going, uh, one, you can go on the app, go on the website at hinge.nfaq.co, I believe. Yes, hinge.nfaq.co. Uh, and I want you to check out the uh, 2023 LGBTQIA plus date report. That report released by Hinge is the first of its kind effort mm -hmm. to uh, share uh, insights about the dating, uh, what dating is like for queer people and what's the most important things happening for our community this year. Uh, and so if you could go ahead and check out that report, that would be uh, phenomenal. I think you'll get more insights on bisexual daters. You'll get more insights on what it's like to be transgender in dating. Uh, we cover the gamut, uh, but uh, when we talked in this episode, a lot of what's a lot of what stood out to me 
was this need for uh, more resources, more representation, more visibility for queer people. So I'm excited about a lot of the things we're doing at Hinge that really get right at the heart of that celebration of visibility. Uh, so if you want to keep in touch with me, follow me on Instagram at Love Out Proud. Uh, follow me on my podcast, Be Your Own Love Goals. I co-host that podcast with my wife. Oh. Uh, it's getting right at uh, just deciding for yourself what love looks like in your life and defining that for you and your relationship uh, versus following other models of who you're supposed to be. And so I invite anybody that is even curious at all about me to listen to me there because I tell a lot about my story. Uh, but I'm just grateful to you for having me here on on your show. It's been an honor and I absolutely love all of your energy and I'm just grateful that you, you're sharing this space with me. Oh, thank you. That's so sweet. That's very warming. Uh, well, Mo, yeah. Ari, it's been a pleasure chatting with you and yeah, I know I'm really looking forward to to reading that report and just reading what queer people's dating experiences are like. And for those listening, like, know again, like, life is long. You always have time to, to be your true self, to reinvent your true self, whoever it is, and to find somebody if you are looking for somebody. Um, being your true self and really confident in who you are can only be good for attracting the person that you want. Um, and that you'd yeah. be wanting to be in partnership with. And so Mo Ari, again, thank you so much for being on. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm excited to check out your podcast too. Yay. Thank you. Our creator, host, and executive producer is me, Danielle Bezalel. Our producer and communications lead is Catherine Cohen. Our producer and communications coordinator is Sadie Leegee. Our marketing coordinator is Kate Fiala. Our music theme is by Hook Sounds. Thanks so much to our featured guests, partners, and listeners. Want to partner with us? Email us at sexedwithdb at gmail.com. For more sex ed content, follow us on Instagram at sexedwithdbpodcast and on TikTok at sexedwithdb. Want to rep us with some brand new Sex Ed with DB merch? Go to sexedwithdb.com slash merch to check it out now. See you next time.